Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined as always by Nate Weitzer on the East Coast. And it is a large 13-game slate on Friday night. Nate and I are recording this on Thursday, getting ahead of those big lines as there's only two games here on this Thursday night where we're recording for you guys. Uh, Definitely want to make sure to like and subscribe to that page. We're bringing you a game video and our player props each and every weekday this season. So like and subscribe and follow along. Thelines.com is where you can get all the great written content and the odds finder tool we have. So go ahead and head over there to make sure you're getting the best juice on all these games in the NBA this season. In this one, we're talking about these Hawks and the Nets. Interesting stuff right around the middle of this Eastern Conference as we get ready for the playoffs. Nate, let's run through the line of this game here, some of the stuff, the total and all that, and then we will j- jump right into our best bets for this one. Yeah, it's a pick as it opens here. Atlanta at Brooklyn and the total at 242.5. Pretty on par for a Hawks game. Uh, they're actually averaging about 249 under Quinn Snyder. Um and, and but they've pretty much gone over under at an even rate there. Um, so not touching that. What our pick is, is basically just Hawks to win. We'd play that up to minus two or three. Um, just not buying the Nets. Really just wondering what the hell Miami is doing that they lost by 29 and lost and got out. Maybe they're not by good. <laughs> 33. Like you don't think there's anything intentional about this to get outscored by 33 in a game you have to win to avoid the play in. It's almost like they want to be in the play in so they can like get some extra f- tickets and and, <laughs> and and like warm up before the real playoffs. Like I don't know what the hell happened there, but the Nets are not good either. Uh, they've they've beat the Rockets and didn't manage to cover after that, but otherwise they've lost six of the last eight. Uh, heavily dependent on the three pointer and, and on spreading the ball around, assisting to get those threes, which is certainly something you can get against Atlanta. I'm not gonna say they're not their their offense is gonna struggle here. I mean it it has gotten right in the last three games for them here. Um, Nick Claxton has also done a pretty good job of protecting the paint. Not the same things we were targeting. Um, or a few a few games ago when we were saying like, look, the Nets can't can't score at all. They were averaging like 101. Now they have more of a balanced effort. Mikel Bridges isn't quite playing over his skis as much as he was. But I mean, it's more that Atlanta, while while they're consistently inconsistent, as we'll say again, I just think they have a little bit more firepower, particularly off the bench, and that's where I think this game is gonna is gonna separate a little bit. Uh, these teams met in late February and it was a, an absolute shootout once again from Atlanta, the Hawks hit hit 16 threes. They won the rebounding battle. Both teams shot around 50%, but how did Atlanta win? I mean, Bogdanovich, Sadiq Bay and the bench outscoring that Nets bench, which is obviously very thin and, and very, and lacks a lot of offense since the all-star break. I mean, Atlanta's fourth in bench points and with the best field goal percentage in 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 the league and and Brooklyn 27th in field goal percentage off the bench when you look at the limitations they have for guys on either side of the ball it it's the same problems they had even when they had Kyrie and KD is like how do we feel the lineup where we can both play offense and defense when you have like Seth Curry and Royce O'Neal if you if you know the old like tape them to each other's backs and then one of them can play defense and one can play offense like <laughs> That's pretty much what Jacques Vaughn is still dealing with. Um, and, and so, I mean, Atlanta, not exactly reliable on the road, though. Two and four under Quinn Snyder here. Um, and and not a great three-point shooting team either. But 
I think the mid range is available um, against the Nets. Like like I said, Claxton's doing a good job protecting the rim, and I mean they they are giving up. They're they're still bottom ten in terms of three point percentage, nineteenth um, in paint points allowed in this eight game span here. I just think there's superior talent in the Hawks backcourt. Um, it's really it's just as baffling as the Heat. Some of these Hawks games that we get into, and so you might wonder like. Do they want to win? But I mean, yeah, this is it's it's very important for them to obviously win this game and, and manage their position in the play-in so that they don't have to go on the road um, and so that they get in the best position possible to to try and advance. Yeah, yeah, I'm buying the Hawks caring. I'm buying them trying. Um, right when right when uh, Nate McMillan got got let go, left the team because he didn't want to be there. However, you want to put it. Um, we kind of brought up how this is the, the, the Trey young Hawks MO that he gets his coach fired at some point in the middle to towards the you know last third of the season. And then they play well going into the playoffs. And in one case, end up in the conference finals. But the, the idea that, that they're going to start doing that now a little bit late seems, seems plausible, right? Like it's a little bit later than we thought, but I do like the way that they're playing a bit more and, and a huge part of that. And it's something we talked about a few shows ago when I brought up Clint Capone, Capella's props um, and went under against the Cavaliers, even though they didn't even have Jared Allen in that game. And that was because one, it was way too high. It was at 12 and a half. And that was absurd against the Cavs. Nobody get you. The team gives up 40 rebounds a game. So how is one man going to get 12 of those? But um, the, the, the thing here is this is not that team and, and the nets, we, you know, it's interesting. We talked about how good Nick Claxton has been all season. He's been incredible defending the rim in terms of limiting the opponent's, field goal percentage around the rim, getting some good blocks, obviously, you know, uh, up, up in the top of the league in blocks and steals and blocks combined, playing really well as an, as a super athletic, shorter center, if you will, cannot hang with a, with a, a robust front court. And, and part of the reason um, that I also, you know, didn't like Clint to go up and get his numbers in that game is there's actually a bunch more guys now down low. Once again, with John Collins and Okongu coming back for this Hawks team, they finally have a formidable front court. Uh, and that's what I'm looking at in the last, the last nine games as, as the Hawks have had all three of those guys that I mentioned there in the front court. They're obvious, not obviously, but I, it, it should be obvious to some, they're scoring 20 uh, second chance points a game, far and away the most, four more than, than, even uh, the Pistons, by the way, shout out James Wiseman and Marvin Bagley for dominating the second chance points, um, but way more than even them. And, and the opponent points in the paint there for the uh, for the, the the Nets is going to continue to be bad. It's been bad since they lost KD, uh, which has been a conversation around Kevin Durant since he was on the Warriors when it became obvious and he, he took his defense up a huge notch and it became obvious that he was crucial for their defense uh, from some of the on-off numbers that became re- uh, present when, when he was on that team. It continued over here onto the Nets, you know, once he came back from the injury and he's been a, a, a force down low for them and he's just not there anymore. Um, and and the, the, cert, the, the sort of parade of, of, old, of aging big men that they brought in for the past three seasons from DeAndre Jordan to LaMarcus Aldridge to Blake Griffin to you name it, I think George Russell or uh, Bill Russell got in there for a little bit at some point. Uh, those aging centers that they tried to bring in just didn't work for the Nets, uh, and and it's the, now they're left you know with that big hole uh, in that area of the floor for them. So yeah, I mean their wing players are great, their three pointers are great. They're just a team full of six foot eight, 
six foot six guys that can shoot uh, if if left open. And and now Mikhail has been able to find his shot. He's he's come down to earth a little bit, but uh, I believe he's about twenty five and a half to twenty six and a half points in this game, and that's probably right about where he should be as well because that's that's what he's putting up at this point. So the the points are going to be there for for both of these teams, I, I believe. Um, and the defense, while it's been reliable for the Nets to to the degree that it's a solid defensive rating, where they're getting scored on is exactly how I think they're going to get dominated in this game uh, with all the huge bodies for Atlanta. That's a good call. Yeah, the rebounding being such an issue, that that is something we targeted a few week, games ago for the Nets, and they're giving up the seventh most offensive rebounds in this eight-game span. It, it's because, yeah, you you have these limitations where you yeah you want more offense, so you've got Cam Johnson – and Mikel at as the three and four, and and they're just not big enough or physical enough to rebound, uh, at, and at a against an aggressive front court like the Hawks. But yeah, they the Hawks aren't stopping anybody, as we know. Um, I mean, I, I two forty two is a really high over for a Nets team that has been anemic at times at home, um, offensively. But yeah, uh, like the one thing I do have faith in the Hawks though is that their biggest issue in the last eight. It is giving up pain points, uh, in fact, at last in that department. But Brooklyn's scoring a, the third fewest percentage of their Precisely. points in the paint. They're going to live and die by the three, which Atlanta is also awful defending, also third worst. <laughs> but, I mean, if you're going to live and die by that and there's some variance versus – and the Hawks are going to win the rebounding edge as they did last time. Both teams paraded to the free throw line in that game. I definitely trust, um, yeah, the superior backcourt, as I said – with Trey and and um, and Dejounte, but if if we're making another pick in this game, I, I do like the uh, the Nets guards to get their numbers specifically yeah. Dinwiddie um, at ten assists or twenty and a half points in assists. I think there's plenty of opportunities to for him to continue to facilitate the way he has for the Nets eleven times in four straight home games at least, uh, and and he's had a lot of success against Trey Young and the Hawks, like like most point guards have. We you know we hit that with Garland last time out, and uh, I think we can continue to attack Trey Young's defense. Yeah, I, one quick stat that's hysterical is that this uh, Hawks team in their last what uh, ten games have actually gone under five times. The average score of those unders is 241 points. <laughs> so what are we talking about here? So I guess, yeah, they've gone under just as much on this total as they have in all of these these last 10 for them. But like, what are we talking about, man? That's crazy. Just like, you couldn't stop a nosebleed. It's brutal. But I, I do think there's an opportunity for for points for um for, for some of the, the yeah, the, the guards on this team. I, I know Cam Johnson, he obviously went off. We should have mentioned that for him as well. Uh, a last game in that win versus the Rockets. And I mean, this is a similar defense around the perimeter to that Rockets team. KPJ and Jalen Green are playing just about as much defense as Trey Young. I mean, DeJounte was supposed to come in and do a lot better. It just has not been the case, uh, even for him, as he's really just sort of taken on that that role of just secondary offensive point uh, point guard, really. So, Nate, let's go ahead and jump right into this game here, get into the line, and talk about our first favorite pick. Yeah, Lakers are slight dogs, plus one, probably because there's a slight chance LeBron doesn't play. But, I mean, he's going to be questionable every, every game the rest of the way and has been most of the season, so... I don't know if I worry about that. And the total at 232.5 definitely seems high. And that's where we start is saying under 232. Certainly feel even better about that without LeBron. Uh, you can run through the stats and and the Lakers, you know, before this long stretch without him, we're scoring eight points per game fewer. Um, they have actually gone over in their last two with him. 
but they have not been astronomical totals by any means. Um, yeah. and, and they did still go under in their last three with him before the break. Uh, we've been talking about for months now how the Lakers' pace has fallen off a cliff because they, they stopped using Russell Westbrook and eventually just parted ways with him, and now they have a completely different team that's a lot more half-court oriented when you have D'Angelo Russell running your offense and when you're trying to play through AD and score a high percentage of their points off free throws. Uh, I mean, really just winning with defense because they're not they're not towards the top 10 in any really other offensive category other than just free throws. Um, and so you'd think that would lead to overs, but not when you're not scoring anywhere else. They're not hitting threes. Minnesota, kind of a mirror image in some ways. Um, you know, and, and they've gone under a nine of their last 13 at home here. We're talking 28 and 20 to the under in conference games this season. Um, and, and limiting assists right now, <clears throat> number two limiting assists in their last eight. And their offense, I have not been impressed since they got cat back here. Um, you know, <laughs> 102 offensive rating against both Golden State and Phoenix. Lord knows how they managed to hold Golden State to 96. Uh, and they just could not get the win in Phoenix despite the Suns starting extremely cold there. They still failed to cover. So I don't, I don't, I mean, we, we stay fading the Wolves here, but here's really the emotional reason behind that. If you remember, They've won five of their last six against the Lakers, um, including three straight. And the last, you know, one was this season, game five, when the Lakers had no squad, whatever. Um, and, and, but the one, the last one last season, the Wolves absolutely disrespect all over LeBron, including Pat Bev, who just got his comeuppance two nights ago uh, when he was held to a goose egg. LeBron had an easy 25, the Lakers rolled. Uh, but this was a 20-point win where Pat Bev was giving all sorts of shade to, to Westbrook and, and LeBron too, of course. Um, and then, and Kat, he, he, at one point gets an and one on Bron and, and then it's, it's the, the bitch ass game where he just calls him that. And Bron has to eat it. Cause he finished the team worse minus 19 with 19 points, five turnovers, five fouls, maybe the, maybe the, one of the worst games of his season as they just started to pack it in at that point. Um, so if you're following that narrative in terms of like Lakers bouncing back from any disrespect or, or, you know, sort of cashing checks that they had, that they had to eat last season, <laughs> uh, then I think they definitely win this game. I mean, the wolves only were able to pop up and win that game in Sacramento. I think I'm not even going to look at the Warriors game, uh, because it was the, the Kings were already ready to hang a banner. Right. And the wolves were like, Nope, not on us, not on us. Yeah. So it's yeah. at this late in the season, you're really looking for those extra little incentives. I know everybody in the West is stacked up and they, they have to win these games, but I think just a little extra, uh, motivation for the Lakers here in this one. And, and I think the ability to finally climb over 500, which is obviously huge in the standings and try to climb over this wolves team. Yeah, I mean, we started with the, the under 232 and a half, and, and I, I f- love that. I mean, I honestly love them both. I mean, maybe maybe a little parlay in the works and then uh, maybe a full unit there on on the uh, on the Lakers to win this game. And and like I said, maybe a little parlay with the total as well with, with, with half a uni there. But let's also talk about Austin Reeves giving Pat Bev the two short hands to the ground. Like, everybody's on that right now. And I don't think LeBron is going to hold – uh, Pat Bev's actions against, you know, uh, like anybody that's on this team still necessarily. What happened in that 
uh, Kings game for the the Timberwolves was like Anthony Edwards was like, no, I'm, I'm really, really good, y'all. And like and then they hit a bunch of threes. Uh, Kyle Anderson did his thing as well. Also, like just every show from now on, we have to say Nas Reed's name because he's so underrated. It's not it's just a cruel, cruel, underrated uh, the way that we're underrated. But he's right a now. game but, time decision tonight. So that that's and, a, yeah, they check. Yeah, no fair. And that's that's gonna be huge if he's not in there. I mean, uh, Rudy Gobert has been fine. He hasn't really been as nearly as good in the in the points column, but he's been getting boards. He's been getting over his boards prop a lot lately. If you look at Rudy's numbers, um, but he's you know I, I'm fine with with him going up against AD uh, in, in that sense and still getting plenty of boards. So um, yeah, in this one, man, like I, I was telling you, we were talking about before the show. Like, there's just no precedence here. There's no use cases. There's 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 no situations where it's this team versus the lineups that you're this Lakers team versus the lineups that you're going to see uh, in this game for Minnesota, especially with Cat coming back. It's like there's even less precedence for that for for what's going to happen in this game this season from from this season. But I will say that like the under sounds really really good um, on top of the Lakers. And so yeah, I mean, just to be very clear, that second bet for us is taking the Lakers to win. Uh, if LeBron is in there, like love it. If LeBron's not in there, like it, to be honest, uh, same, same case. Like the, the, the weird thing is that since LeBron missed all those games for like a month, right, right after the all-star break, they kind of have the same record as they did with him after they got all those guys, especially after they traded and got Rui and then they got Vanderbilt and, and Beasley, et cetera. Uh, and obviously D'Lo like, they're the same winning percentage uh, and they're pretty much they're both they're still at about 112 defensive rating they're playing at the pretty much the same 99.5 ish pace um, that they've been playing since Westbrook left the team and and took his style of play with him that that could no longer impact the team that greatly um, and and th these teams don't go over I mean they, they not in this case like they've played at 100.2 speed uh, right at pace like that's that's a that, that'd be good for a top you know 12 ish pace in the league this season um, uh, in the last like six times that they've met, or I'm sorry, eight times that they've met, and they still have never gone over uh, this. Uh, no, I was right; it was six times. The last six times that they've met, they haven't gone over this this total once. Uh, and all those pay those games are played in a, a more than a hundred pace, right? A faster than a hundred pace. So the, the offenses haven't been that great. The defense for the Lakers is what they're relying on, and by the way, that's what the Timberwolves are relying on nowadays, which feels like. I don't how long do, how long ago does it feel when the Timberwolves were averaging like 280 point games at home or whatever it was for like a three game span that that feels like it was ages ago like maybe Terrell Brandon and Kevin Garnett were on the team when that was happening so at this point like you know they're they're relying on a better than 110 defensive rating uh, to to win games which that's fine I don't think they're going to win this one but they're relying on that to to you know the fact that they've been decent at home um, in fact they haven't I, I should just be totally honest it, it's more important to me to look at the last like let's say three weeks of the season four weeks of the season where they played only four games at home these Timberwolves and 11 games on the road they've got a a, a winning percentage of 64 right they, they've won uh, they're seven and four in those 11 games on the road at home one and three scoring 111 points a game and, and giving up 117 so you know right around a 228 total on average when they're playing at home over the last month but at I, I like that. I like that for the under. I like it with the way the Lakers are playing uh, and the way that, you know, the, that the uh, Timberwolves need to score as well. It's it's either got to be a lot of ant and a lot of threes or they're in trouble. And, and that Lakers defense has become really, really, really good uh, on the wing as we knew it would once they got a, a bevy of, of wing players that could actually D up and got rid of everybody else. Yeah, if you need a lot of threes, you're in trouble. The Lakers are number one in three point defense with the fewest makes. 
uh, on the road this month. They are allowing the most paint points, uh, which is a concern, I guess, if you think about Minnesota. You know, you're betting on a broken offense for for the under. We still haven't seen Cat and Gobert exist in a good offense at all. Certainly not a fast-paced offense, right? It's very cluttered. And, and it's, and you know, the fact that they were able to kind of beat up on the Lakers in the paint last season, though, like, I don't know if I read that much into them allowing a lot of paint points lately because it, it's just, you know, a small sample circumstance. But they beat up on the Lakers last season. Cat disrespects LeBron because he's forced to play small ball five at that point. And, like, of course, yeah, you, you're able to score on him. Now he has Anthony Davis and the, the number, like, one defensive rating since since the all-star break so yep. uh, the lakers have plenty of size to deal with that massive front court they're guarding the three-point line they're guarding you all over and the biggest reason to like them right i mean is 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 this huge discrepancy they have a massive free throw discrepancy bigger than any other team in the league by far this season um and right now they're number one in in free throw rate and number two limiting free throw rate in their last eight uh, which, you know, maybe you say the the refs are, are Laker biased a little bit. I mean, I don't really buy it. I think it's style of play when you look at that. Yeah. But the point is Minnesota allows the most free throws per game on the season. So that's trouble when you talk about AD getting the line. Uh, and by the way, he had 38 points in a loss in early March against this team because he had no D-Lo, no Bron, and not enough AR-15, your boy. So, yeah, just take it away with the Austin Reeves love fest. Let's... Let's bring it home. Well, maybe the worst thing that's happened to the uh, Lakers since LeBron came back is that Austin Reeves is not averaging like eight free throw attempts a game. Dude's free done it his whole career. Reeves. Yeah, I'm saying shout out Austin. I mean, he's done his whole career when he was at Tech as well in college. Uh, had like a, a 19 or 20 free throw attempt game in college, which is absurd. One free throw per every minute of the half. Like it, it, it was nuts. But either I, I'm, I'm kind of joking, but I do really, really hope they, they, they maintain him in that lineup for the way that he plays off of LeBron and, and is super slithery going to the rim as well and is up actually a legitimate reason, right? He's a legitimate part of that that free throw success that they've had in dominating other teams at the line. Part of the reason they're also not fouling that much is just the, the turnstile defense they play down low, giving up all those points in the paint that are going to have to be a lot better at that. Uh, and I think we're both banking on it. So you're listening to the lines.com podcast network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sports books all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem. Call one 800 
522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. In Tennessee, call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Nate, let's go ahead and get right into our first NBA play, a prop here, a man on the Nets, Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah, we're, we're targeting the Hawks defense, although we like the Hawks to win this game, but there's a 242 total and expect the Nets offense to, to at least produce. And Dinwiddie's really been at the forefront of that. They're giving him all the burn he can handle right now, playing about 40 minutes per game. You look at his last four home games, 11 plus assists in all of them. So, I mean, nine and a half assists at plus 110 is probably your best value here. Um, at 28 and a half points at assists is also even money. If you want to combine them there to get, get a little bit safer, maybe half a unit on that. Um, but, I mean, Atlanta giving it up everywhere. Second most assists per game when they're on the road since the break. Also, the third highest three-point percentage allowed, which is key because Brooklyn is sixth in three-point rate since the break, and that's where they're going to try to score. And Dinwiddie's not going to be the one shooting. He's going to be the one spreading the ball around so that everybody else can shoot. Yeah. Um, and he's looking, yeah, in his last three uh, in particular at Barclays, you know, very low usage rate, under 20%, but playing 40 minutes a game, 21 points per game still on that low usage rate, picking his spots. And another guy who's thrived against Trey Young and the Hawks, right? I mean, you look at his last four, it's been with three different teams, including the two different stints with the Nets. So, and he's got these different stats, basically uh, 20 points, nine and a half assists against the Hawks. That's That includes a relatively low usage outing when he was coming off the bench with Washington. But when he's been with the Nets, five of his last six, he's gotten to at least 28 points and assists against the Hawks. And yeah, their defense is just awful right now. So uh, let's target it. I'm I'm down. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is less. Like you started off with, we are targeting the Hawks defense because this is less of a Spencer Dinwiddie pick and more of a uh, fading the Hawks pick for sure. Uh, the the assist makes sense for him too. I think this is a place that he needs to be for this team to be even remotely successful is the true point guard that's like orchestrating what's going on with all of these similarly styled players that are long and can shoot uh, and but really can't create for themselves the way that he can and, and needs to set guys up so we are in disagreement on this next pick, Nate, and that is because it is not for the faint of heart. Um, it's it's for those who might have a slight uh, a screw loose, if you will. But Josh Giddy, my namesake, 38 and a half points, rebounds and assists. And I am going under. And the reason that's insane is because he's playing the Indiana Pacers. And I know that sounds insane. Um, but this prop is insane. That's so high. Who does he think he is? Nikola Jokic, 38 and a half points, rebounds and assists. Anyway, there's no SGA in this game. So there's a few factors that are, are misleading people that I will enlighten you guys all with here. Uh, SGA is not playing. That doesn't matter. He actually has slightly better stats with, with uh, uh, Shea Gilgis, excuse me, Shy Gilgis Alexander um, because he, he gets a few more rebounds uh, and, and he's not needed in as many other areas on the floor. Uh, and so it makes more sense that he might actually be able to then, you know, go get a few more boards and not necessarily need to worry about scoring. 
He's not, he's not in there this season. That's not going to impact it. He's averaging 30 points, rebounds, and assists combined on the season. Um, and he's only hit this prop twice in his last 10 games and five in his last 20. Uh, and that includes a ton of games against really bad teams. I don't need to go into every team they played in the last 20. Indiana, it's Another reason that that we are being misled because Drew Holiday just scored 51 points as the point guard of the Milwaukee Bucks against this team in a matchup that uh, saw the Milwaukee Bucks score 149 points before giving up 140 to the Celtics, which we're not going to talk about tonight. Um, but on the season, Indiana, top 12 in limiting point guards, I will also say, because I don't want to try to mislead anybody. They are much better on defense when Tyrese Halliburton is in there with a, a defensive rating that's about four points per 100 better with Tyrese, their all-star point guard, than without him. Um, but that said, like on the season, they're still fine. And in, in the last seven, it's been a lot more glaring than it has been even in the last 15 games where they're still a top 15 team in, in guarding point guards on the season. Like I said, top 12. Um, OKC goes over at home, they go under on the road, and this game is in Indiana. They score eight fewer points on the road than they do at home. Uh, and Josh Giddy does the same stuff he does at home as, as he does everywhere else. He actually gets five assists uh, at home versus the seven. No, I did that wrong. He gets five assists on the road as opposed to the seven that he gets at home. Um, but and everything else is pretty much the same. So I'm not really worried about that. Once again, still at about 30. And like, it's just, it's just, he doesn't hit it, right? If, if you want to just stay away from all that and talk about the points for this dude, 21 and a half points is way too high for Giddy. He's hit that twice in his last 15 games uh, where he's gotten 22 points because it's at 21 and a half right now is his points prop. So that's the main uh instigator here for this this points rebounds and assists combo prop being way too high i'm just taking all of it because like i said that is a, a points rebounds and assists line that is uh reasonable for you know guys in in the top 20 in the league to be having and, and not quite josh giddy despite how porous this indiana pacers defense has been lately yeah i i mean i don't hate it i think it's it's sound logic to a degree i just worry that the pacers look they're not even playing tj mcconnell anymore like they're they're no. only playing rookies. It's all rookies. And Drew Holiday just dropped a career high on these rookies. Like you can do whatever you want on the floor against them. Giddy isn't like a high usage guy who's necessarily going to go get you 22 points. I think that I think that is sound. Uh, but I think he could flirt with a triple double here. I think this game could be absolute shootout. Um, I'm not going to touch Nemhard because he's just been completely up and down. But I think Benny Matz to get 20 points, if he's going to play like 40 minutes, I'm, I'm interested in that a little bit. Yeah, I just yeah. I really don't know what I'm going to get. I mean, and, and the, the rookie of the year candidate, Jalen Williams, to to pick up the scoring without SGA. I do it's trust in that. Um, going down. Real quick, yeah, Nemhard is just failing this audition that he's getting to be the the Pacers backup point guard next year. It's probably just going to be more TJ McConnell behind Halliburton again. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, moving on to another game. That's basically a preseason game, which is the Warriors hosting the Spurs. And, uh, you know, they've beaten this, this. So that's why I'm going Steph Curry under like straight up 28 and a half points. You, you kidding me, man? Like they're, like they're going to need 29 from Steph. I mean, he could just like have fun and, and score 30 before they he gets pulled in the middle of the third quarter. But they've beaten the Spurs by an average of 34 points per game in two meetings this season. And Steph played both of them, only shot seven threes, only scored 15 and a half points. He was a plus 29, only 21% usage. Like, yeah, give the man some rest. After he he just dropped 39 and 37 minutes against the Pels in a win, had 20 points on a cold shooting night. 
but had a 33% usage rate against the Wolves. And you look at like, what did he, what does he do after a big game necessarily? Like, I mean, 36 against Milwaukee, then a home game against the Suns two nights later, only 13 field goal attempts, 23 points. It's not like the Warriors have really faced any cupcakes at home since December. Yeah. I mean, their last like non-playoff game is, is against Dallas at home with Steph. Um, and that's because, I mean, now Dallas is out of the playoffs, but that's a story for a different podcasts. Uh, and Steph was kind of chilling because, I mean, the Warriors did kind of blow them out. He had 26 minutes uh, and, and only scored 21 points in that game. Um, so I, I, I just don't see a, a world really where he needs to do this. And I think the 41 and a half PRA is even safer because it's not like he's going to get enough run to pile up those stats. Yeah. I mean, it's all, there's also a correlation to like when they need to win, he scores when he doesn't really need to care that much. Maybe he just gets some dimes, uh, and lets everyone else get involved. I don't know what to make of this game, man. It's at home. It's the, it's the dubs against a G league squad in the Spurs at this point. Um, the, yeah. I, I, he shouldn't play the second half of the third quarter and on basically like, and if this game is at 20 points at the half, I mean, I'm sure he'll play like the first couple minutes, but like, yeah, for them, this should just not be a game if they want that six seed and they, and they want to get some rest for these old, uh, old guns that they have. So I'm going to go with a young gun here that you brought to my attention. And I absolutely love, uh, and after looking into it further with you, which is Quentin Grimes, over 12 and a half, the New York Knicks. That is plus uh, 100, even money on DraftKings. You can throw the points, rebounds, and assists in there. It's, it's pretty much the same odds. Minus 106 is the best juice on FanDuel for him to get the points, rebounds, and assists prop over 18 and a half there uh, for that combo total. In his last. For Grimes, dude, I mean, I've been watching this team all season. This is my team. For Grimes, it's just about playing time. It's just, is he going to get in there and is he going to get the run? And and reasonably so, like, I, I have to give Tibbs a, a bit of a mea culpa because he did turn, change his ways after, maybe he heard me calling for his job. I don't know. But at the beginning of the season, he started playing these guys a bit more uh, and giving the young guns their run as opposed to playing Evan Fournier and Derek Rose. And, and then Quentin Grimes got hurt a little bit. But in his last four, which is very important because he's been back on the floor and, and obviously JB, Jalen Brunson missed uh, one of those games in the last four as well. But 21 a game, six boards, four and a half assists. Most importantly, a plus 33, 34 and a half minutes a game is just as important. And his defensive rating is also super important because he's one of their best wing defenders at this point. IQ, by the way, quickly as well. Like these two can play together uh, and every, everybody can play with Jalen Brunson because he's just a wonderful point guard. Um, and his usage rate has gone up in these last four as well, up to 20% getting a lot more shots, and that's because they know he's hot. Uh, he and Quickly are both hot, and, and both shooting better than 40% from three in their last roughly five to six games. And Julius Randle is not going to be playing, and I, I hate to have to be talking about this because I really thought we were going to beat the Cavs, but I don't know if they could do it without Julius Randle, who's now on a bum ankle, no timetable for his return. It's probably sprained. It was nasty. And he had a 32.5% usage rate, uh, Jay Randle, and 29 points per game on the road this season. Um, he, he really likes playing on the road. I mean, this team has been really, really good on the road as well. Gotten better at MSG lately, but he, uh, Grimes, you know, just as a little indicator, in, in as soon as uh, Randall went down after playing 14 and a half minutes, he went down in, in the early third quarter. And then after that point, uh, 
Quentin Grimes scored 14 points in uh, the uh, 10 minutes that he was in after that, right? Which is it's all-star stuff uh, in a short sample size. So they're playing the Cavs. You and I did not want to touch this game because who knows what the gamesmanship is going to be in this, right? Where they're definitely going to match up in the first round uh, and you don't really want to show your cards in any way, shape, or form. So, uh, But what you can rely on is Cleveland's defense just being so much better down low than it is on the wing where it's not good at defending the three-pointer. Uh, they're the fifth worst in terms of allowing opponent three-point percentage uh, since the All-Star break. They're also giving up a ton of uh, uh, points and rebounds and assists to small forwards. And when you see Quickly and Grimes on the floor at the same time, make no mistake that the much taller Quentin Grimes, who can guard bigger guys, is the small forward uh, in, in, or in that situation. Um, and But really, I mean, they're also bad against shooting guards, are, are the, uh, the the Cavs. Like, basically just on those sides of the wings where they've got to rely on Donnie Mitchell and Darius Garland, DG the PG, our boy, to, to come up and play D. Like, that's not where it's at for them, and that's why there's going to be plenty of opportunity to get 13 points for Quentin. Got to love that. Yeah, it would be kind of a fish bet if if we weren't if we didn't know that Julius Randle was going to miss the his first game of the season, which is incredible. Like what an Iron Man that he has not missed a game at all. So you're kind of projecting at this point like what are their lineups going to look like? And against the Cavs, yeah, I mean, they can put Grimes at the 3 and and play him nearly 40 minutes. Um as as a young guy who who's not going to play as much necessarily in the playoffs if they do get Randle back for, by that time. So like yeah, that's not tipping your hand. That's like getting him a little bit of experience. Um, I mean, I don't I don't think it's necessarily sustainable what he's done in these last four from a scoring perspective. But yeah, 13 points. We'll take that as pretty low or 19 PRA. They they both seem very attainable if he's going to play big minutes. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get get the points because I think he's going to be going out there. He's going to try to fast break a little bit for them uh, as well and get and get out and transition. And I mean, in, in this game, I <laughs> We don't even really have a total while we're recording it, but it, it's going to be a fun series if Jay Randall plays because of how much they're going to beat up on each other. But that still is going to leave plenty of things open for those guards um, to be the ones to kind of score while these big guys are just beating the snot out of each other. So that is all the time we have for you in our player props vid today. So make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Also check out the game videos we have for you on this gigantic Friday night slate. And until we see you next, happy betting.